Hip-hop takes the stand in the new documentary As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Rap lyrics are playing an increasingly prominent role in criminal cases. Every song, every lyric, every video that you've ever been involved with, they're going to use against you. Follow rap artist Kemba as he explores the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system. This artistic expression is a confession. I'm ready. Roll the tape. Watch the eye-opening new documentary As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Today on the On Enquirer podcast, Michael Tulip joins us to give his thoughts on Illinois basketball's big win over Missouri 97-73. I know it was five days ago recording this on a Wednesday, but we had holidays to celebrate and hope you and your family had a very happy holidays. But we break it all down with Michael Tulip. How has Terrence Shannon taken his game to the next level? And what has gotten into Quincy Garrier offensively? What does Coleman Hawkins' offensive emergence do for the Illini? And what do we think of uh, Marcus Domask, who's not really hit his stride offensively, but still continues to make an impact? And then Mike looks ahead to Fairly Dickinson, a game he's going to call on the Big Ten Network. He'll be the analyst for that game. I was looking forward to seeing him on there. But also uh, the Big Ten play, because Illinois starts with a really great opportunity uh, in the Big Ten. As you look at the schedule, Northwestern, probably a tournament team. Illinois hosts them in the first game. Then they head to Mackey Arena to take on Purdue. And to potentially, it's the opportunity to take a two-game lead in the Big Ten over the Boilermakers, who already have a Big Ten loss to Northwestern. Uh, and then you have Michigan State and Maryland uh, coming to Champaign as well. So big opportunity for Illinois potentially to to show its might and show what it's made of because, boy, December was pretty good for Illinois. Sure, they lost at a top-10 team in Tennessee, a missed opportunity, but they took advantage of all the other opportunities, including big wins on the road uh, against Rutgers, a big win in neutral sites against Florida Atlantic and Missouri. We break it all down with Michael Tulip. That's coming up next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. This bustling holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, flavorful meals to fuel you on jam-packed days. Well, Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, can help you eat well for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling all of your holiday to-dos. Treat yourself to high-quality, delicious meals over the holidays. Choose from 35-plus chef-crafted meals every week that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, whether it's calorie-smart, vegan and veggie, protein-plus, and more wholesome options. So cross meal prepping off your list this holiday season with Factor. Skip the meal planning, grocery shopping, chopping, prepping, and cleaning up, and get Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals delivered to your door. They're ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. Head to factormeals.com slash Illini50 and use code Illini50 to get 50% off. That's code Illini50 at factormeals.com slash Illini50 to get 50% off. 
All right, it's time to catch up with Michael Tulip, our Online Enquirer basketball analyst. And we got a good basketball team to talk about, Mike. And uh, the last game we saw, emphatic 97 uh, 73 win over Missouri in the Bragging Rights game to get that trophy back. And uh, But before we dive into this, you, you could tell this one mattered for Illinois after getting pushed around last year. You see Terrence Shannon, Coleman Hawkins come out the way they did and just the veterans they had, Mike. So um, it felt that way. But what impressed you most uh, about that win over Mizzou? Yeah, it looked like – Illinois looked like a team that fully expected to win that game. And they played like it. And I think, you know, there was no guessing. There was no wondering. It was foot on the gas really from the beginning of the game. And uh, they they picked apart that Mizzou team on both ends. That's a team that pressures. And all this talk about Illini point guard play, you only have 10 turnovers in the game. You dominate on the glass. I thought they really simplified things offensively even more than they – even more so than, than previous games. And – that's the result you end up with. But it all starts with having that belief that you're that type of team and then going out and executing that. So it's it's hard not to bring him up every time. But but Terrence Shannon is just playing at another level, Mike. Um, I, I said after the game, like, Io's last year, Kofi's last year, like, he is he's playing at that level. How has he elevated his game? When you're watching him, how has he taken his game to the next level? I've I just mentioned no guessing and no wondering for the team. There's no guessing and no wondering for, for Terrence Shannon either. He, you can tell his disposition when he steps on the floor. He knows that there is not a player in college basketball that has more of an impact that's that's better than him right now. He, he's been he's been that good and he's playing like it. When you have a guy that believes that and is a leader on your team, the rest of the team tends to follow. So I think there's there's a number of areas that he's improved in, but him accepting that. Yeah. And embracing that and understanding, and we've talked about this on previous pods, man, in order for these guys to be as good as they can be, I need to be as good as I can be for them. And he's he's certainly taken that um, to another level. But but even on on the offensive end, and these are all from, from synergy, but transition as the pick-and-roll ball handler in spot-up situations and isolations and handoffs, all of those different – play types he's over a point per possession that's insane and specifically in transition we talk about it all the time how electric he is in his combination of burst and speed Iowa was also a guy that was pretty darn good in transition the difference between the two of them Iowa was very slippery in transition like he just had a knack of like getting around you and finding his way in front of the rim Terrence is going through you there I you look at synergy his transition possessions he has a 34 percent foul rate that's insane 34 percent of his transition possessions are fouls and to contrast that with io who himself like he himself was incredible in transition 11 percent. wow so it and he's shooting seven free throws a game it's been it's been incredible and then what he's done defensively part of that is when you have a a good team to go alongside with you defensively you can really play within your role and be darn good at it instead of having to overextend yourself to cover up others mistakes that's really accentuated his ability on that end floor and I think we saw that in the Colgate game as well yeah he's the main reason Illinois is the number 11 team in the country and probably the biggest threat to Purdue in the Big Ten right but like 
the supporting cast rising, right, these last couple weeks and this month in particular is a huge part of that. And Quincy Garrier is a big part of that. Last three games, 21.6 points while shooting 10 of 18 from three. What is behind this in your opinion? Is it just the wrist is healthy or is it just he now knows what his role is on this team? The latter, for sure. And I think, you know, depending on how much that wrist was affecting him, if it was and it's healthy now, then that may be a factor too. But just offensively, you get in a rhythm when you have an expectation and can visualize where your shots are coming from every game. And for him, it is in those corners. And when you get Terrence Shannon, because a lot of times on those roll replace actions or if he's in the half court, he's getting to that left hand. And if you saw Mizzou, it is a cardinal sin. This tell you how good Terrence Shannon is. It is a cardinal sin to help in from the strong side corner. And that was literally their game plan. Their game plan was to commit a cardinal sin to stop Terrence Shannon. And it leads to those drive and kick opportunities for Quincy and inside out drive and kick threes to the corner. It's the easiest three and it's the highest percentage three in college basketball. And that's where he's getting his looks. So when you know that's where you're getting them, you can find a rhythm. But uh, so it's the quality of looks that he's getting, but also the defense the effort, the body language has never wavered yep. for him, even through the struggles. And again, that puts you in position to turn things around. Like water tends to find its level when you're in that headspace mentally, and he is. And man, he his emergence that you hit on it that makes this team even more dangerous. And his ability to take people off the bounce off of that, right? Like to to not just be a corner three guy. Uh, his ability to attack, like Brad Underwood kind of said, the idea of merging, you know, Syracuse, attack the basket, uh, incredible rebounder with catch and shoot guy at Oregon, like it feels like it's coming to fruition. I, I texted you, like, is this a crazy take? Like, Quincy Garrier, can he be a pro? And uh, he's just showing a skill set that's going to intrigue some people. Yeah, when you're 6'8, you have length, you're smart, you can defend, and you can show that you can knock down outside shots those are the type of guys that tend to have cups of coffee yeah. in the uh in the league or they're two-way guys or they're you know really good in the g league and get a call up so i'm not saying that after this five game stretch right. that he's going to be a draft pick but I, I will say that tennessee game he was their second best player this game he was their second best player and when you win a lot of games in the big 10 you typically get more than one all Big Ten type of guy. Like, is is his ceiling an all Big Ten third team maybe type of guy or honorable mention? For sure. I don't think that's I don't think that's out of the question for him. Uh, speaking of, of guys with pro potential, like it feels like the Coleman Hawkins at the NBA is intrigued by has, has arrived. Uh the last three games have been really good. Fifteen points on five of ten shooting, his most efficient night, uh three of five from three, and then he does all those other things that that impact games that we keep talking about. Um, what are you seeing from him? I mean, we know defensively, we bring it up all the time, Mike, but what are you seeing from him offensively, where he's become a little bit more efficient? Seems like every game stacking on itself. Yeah, when he's efficient offensively, it's it's icing on the cake given all that he does throughout the game. So that's and that's where I think he's he has his moments for sure, but he's taken a step where he's he's taken a lot of the the bad shots out of his game and forcing turnovers. Again, the what they've done offensively simplifying things, I think has helped him. It makes him play a little bit more free. They have certain principles. They put Coleman in the corner at times. They put Ty Rogers in the corner at times and versatility is great, but there's also something to be said about knowing what your role is every single game. 
We get so caught up. Oh, he can guard all five positions and he can do this. But what is your role coming into the game? And can you get really good at those things when you have just kind of a, a focused uh, expectation and, and role? So, yeah, I think for him, he's had some of those pick and pop opportunities. Uh, look, Mizzou, they wanted to gap help and they switched one through five the whole game, which – I'm not sure that's that's the best, uh, I guess, strategy because yeah. once they broke that pressure, they just had Coleman Hawkins run up to half court and set a high ball screen, get the switch, and now Coleman's got Nick Honor on him and he's able to get on the glass because he's got a mismatch and Nick Honor wants to run in at the ball and now you get these catch-and-shoot attempts. When Coleman's shot ready off of a pick-and-pop or when it's in the flow of the offense, he, he's, he can shoot it. He can shoot it, and those percentages are going to go up if he continues to be to be mindful of that. But his impact has 100% been on display since he's returned from injury. Marcus Domas ends with 10, 7, and 7. Uh, so <laughs> I love they've made an impact despite shooting 0 for 7 from 3. Uh, inconsistent with that shot. He's under 20% now from 3 on the season. Are you seeing anything, Mike, as a shooter, um, whether it's confidence, form, anything with him? Because, man, you get him going with all of this, you're getting greedy. Uh, he's still making an impact on games. What are you seeing from Damask? Yeah, I think that's the contrast between Gary A and, and, uh, and Damask. I'm not sure Damask 100% knows – where his threes, where his shots are are going to come from. But for a guy like that, when it's not going to be a set place on the floor, you just got to have confidence in yourself as a shooter to to knock those down. And and he's he's been in the mid-30s. He was a little under 40% his freshman year at Southern. So there's going to be a course correction there, which is really bodes well for this Illini team because odds are it's going to happen in conference play. And whether or not Terrence Shannon stays over that 40%, I don't think he's going to, and that's not right. an indictment on Terrence. I think he's just going to have to take some tough ones late clock. We've talked about that. But as Terrence course corrects a little bit, I think you're going to see Damask go the other way. And so that's going to that's going to balance itself out a little bit. But, yeah, I think maybe for him it's more of like a full-court ball handling type of role mixed with, you know, what is expected defensively to play on this team. But all that said, you look at the box score, the dude played the most against Mizzou. He played <laughs> right. 35 minutes. So regardless of if he's missing shots or 0 for 7, he still brings so much to the table, and it's and it's really, really hard to to take him off the floor. Yeah, and he's shooting 87% from the free throw line, shooting a career-high 59% from two. Um, so he, he's finding ways to be effective yeah. regardless of that. But you zoom out, Mike, and you look at the month of December. Like We had huge questions about this team offensively coming into December. Well, defensively, they've been pretty good uh, during the month of December, 35th in the country during these five-game smaller sample size, but still a big enough sample size, 35th in defensive efficiency. During these last five games, Illinois is fourth in the country in offensive efficiency, according to Bart Torvik. What, what's behind that? Like, besides making shots, like what have you seen about how they've attacked teams, about how this staff has adjusted things? We've talked about the point guard play if you want to press Illinois, they've been really darn good against the press. I know there were a couple lapses right. against Missouri, but on the whole, look, you're going to have three-ish, four turnovers when teams run and jump like that the whole game. But the flip side of that is you're going to get some of the easiest looks you've had all season. If you can break it and get the ball up ahead, that's what FDU is going to do to you. So they've had they've been able to be uber efficient because of that, because they've been able to break the pressure and – and get in some stuff. But I, I talked about the simplification 
of what they're doing offensively. After the game on on Friday night, Brad Underwood held up his play sheet and was like, here are all these plays we have. We ran two. And now it's not that, hey, he called two set plays. It's that, hey, we really have two actions, continuities that we can play off of. And this is where really good teams offensively show themselves. If you're a bad offensive team, if you can't get through the initial action that should generate a basket, then now if you can't generate things in that mid-clock, which is where players are like have to play because there's not something scripted or, or an action that you're running or it's not, hey, late clock, I got to dance and get a shot up. You're not being told what to do where it's a play to start the possession or it's, hey, I got to get one up at the end of possession. All that inventiveness and feel for the game is really between like the 20 seconds and the six seconds of the shot clock when you have to cut, you have to move, you have to play off each other. And that's where they've started to turn a corner because they're falling into roles, because guys know where they are. I think one cool little wrinkle that they have, I talked about in the FAU game, Coleman Hawkins and um, Quincy and and Ty Rogers, we're going to put you guys in the corner. And for Ty, you go and watch the Golden State Warriors, Kavon Looney, Draymond Green, when they get put in the corners because they're non-shooters, surrounded by shooters, and they still want spacing, those guys have principles in the corner that when they get a skip pass, it's not catch, look, or catch like rip baseline, watch next game, watch against FDU. If there is a skip pass to the corner, Ty Rogers is now programmed because he has a guy off of him to go right into a catch and a flip with whoever's on the wing with him. And that is exploiting how you want to guard a non-shooter. Non-shooters, they completely sink. They put you in the middle of the paint and they don't worry about you because Ty Rogers hasn't attempted a three all year. So how are we going to hurt teams with that? We're going to make Ty Rogers a dribble handoff guy and a, and a screener. Because now you got Terrence Shannon or Damask or Garrett, whoever it may be, coming off free. But like, you're not, no one's up to touch or trapping off of it. So Ty, off these skip passes, he is right into it. And that is such a cool little wrinkle. It's simple, but guys know their roles and they're playing off of it. And then Terrence Shannon, who's a big part of this, has just taken that next step as a facilitator. And it, it's not showing up in terms of, Assists. I mean, I still think – I think he had – per game, I think he had more assists last year. Yeah. But he is – there's no question he is making the simpler read. His turnover percentage off of ball screens is down from last year. Uh, but it's, hey, guy commits to me, hit the guy in the corner. Guy sinks in from the from the low side, hit the skip guy. It's simple basketball. And when you play simple basketball, that's hard to scout for because now you're basing it off of guys just – and their feel and not a set structure. Felt like he could add seven or eight assists against Mizzou if, if his teammates made some of those shots. Yeah. Greetings, Fantasy Warriors. I'm Heath Cummings, your guide to fantasy dominance on FFT Dynasty. Join me this offseason where mock drafts become epic showdowns and every pick shapes your legacy. If, if I was Adam, with the team that he's built, Will Levis makes so much more sense. And that's not all. We're peeling back the curtain on the future with our exclusive 2024 NFL Draft Prospect Profiles. Uncover hidden gems that'll elevate your roster to legendary status. Puka Nakua. After Cooper Cup, we really have no idea who's going to get the targets. Keaton Mitchell of East Carolina. Explosive speed is ridiculous. This isn't just a podcast. It's a playbook for champions. Subscribe to FFT Dynasty now, and together, we'll conquer the fantasy football frontier. Your dynasty journey starts here. 
It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. Um, listen, the offseason was interesting. They, they didn't land the point guard, but Brad Underwood's a really good coach. Uh, and I think this offseason, this roster, the way they're playing, has his fingerprints all over it. Of course, keeping Terrence Channing and Coleman Hawkins is huge. I still give credit to Brad Underwood for some of those things, but I don't know, Mike. I, I just want to give you a moment. Like, this, is, this has been a really good two months. For, for Brad Underwood and, and the offseason leading into this, uh, I, I just think he deserves some some flowers for for putting this team together, um, kind of sticking to his guns with what he wanted to do this offseason because this is a good team. It's a really good team. Yeah, I've noticed his demeanor in post-game press conferences. He, he enjoys the hell out of this team. He does, and there's certain things that even he, I don't want to say prognosticates, but certain things he says about this team that he was not saying about his team mm-hmm. last year. Maybe that's fear of, inflated ego or hey can this team handle me praising them like this in the media um that's not to say he was not praising them in the media last year he just kind of decided not to do that this year he's pretty forthcoming with with how he feels about this team and that's just a certain level of trust that you have with older guys yep. that you know they keep the main thing the main thing this team hasn't really been distracted by anything. They treat each game with a certain amount of care. and um, But, yeah, the, he, he deserves a ton of credit because I think just as much as you could say he deserves the credit um, for bringing in older guys and surrounding Terrence Shannon, not wasting these, the, the return of Terrence Shannon and Coleman Hawkins, surrounding them with, with younger guys that have to get up to speed for the first 14 games of a season. You went all in with, with experience and with, with age – and so you could probably say the same last year where he was to blame for yeah. really putting a lot of trust in, in younger guys. And I understand as a coach, you want to trust your players, but it's just hard nowadays to put a lot of that on, on younger guys and expect to have any type of consistency game to game. So he figured that out this offseason. He went out and, and addressed that. There's no question. Yeah, there's one thing I've always been kind of uh, you know interested with Brad is his, his ability and – the lack of ego to be able to pivot to, to change his philosophy on whether he wants to run spread or he wants to run ball screen or he wants to run this or he wants to build this way and then then he pivots like I, I always feel like he's gonna do what it takes to win he, he's a he's a competitor so I, I've always found that really interesting because he's a he's a guy who's changed a lot um even in his time just at Illinois here yeah they've changed things this season yeah right and I mean there's other things too where you can say there's a natural fear for some coaches. Hey, I got to play this guy because if I don't, he may leave. And he's just prioritized winning games. Mm-hmm. Um, and to some frustration of some fans that are nervous about that stuff, right? Yeah, like, but that's the reality. I mean, we, we talked about it before, and we, I, I'm not going to belabor the point about giving guys that opportunity and they still leave. But yeah, he's he's really. I think he's really turned a corner with that, and he doesn't seem as worried about that and they've they've changed their offense since the start of the season there's less like split actions and uh and more so hey let's play to our personnel 
which I thought he did a great job with Kofi when he came in. Where hey, we had, we played a certain defense, we played a certain offense, and now we got Kofi. Which, granted, I'm not saying he discovered like the Da Vinci Code by <laughs> throwing it into Kofi and playing drop with Kofi, but uh, you played to the strengths of of those guys, and I think he's gotten a lot. I will say, I think he's gotten a lot out of the players that have played. I mean, this is a chance this year. This is he has a chance to have his third All American. And what's crazy is it; those are three All-American seasons after like 50-50 decisions on whether or not to come back from all three of them. It probably defines his tenure, is yeah. the ability to get those guys back. And that's not easy, Mike. We we know. like that. That's not easy to get these guys back and to have that trust from that level of player. So while there's guys you can point to leaving and say, ah, oh, that one got away, like Podzimski or whatever. But like, yeah. I don't want to dive into all of that, but you still get these most important All-Americans back for a season you didn't count on is has been a huge reason for his success and then to put the right pieces, whether it's Alfonso Plummer putting him uh, with Kofi Coburn or now, you know, Garrier and, and Domasco around Terrence Shannon and Hawkins. It's, it's, he's done really well with it. Yeah, and, and those guys were able to realize their potential with that added year. Yeah. I mean, Io comes back, you're a one seed. Kofi comes back, you win the Big Ten Championship. Yep. Terrence comes back, we'll see. But the, I mean, the returns on it have been pretty yeah. damn good to start yeah. the season. All right, Mike, Fairly Dickinson to wrap up the non-conference. You'll be on the call for Big Ten Network. Excited for that. But uh, what do you want to see from the Illinois side of things in their final non-conference game here? Yeah, I, I don't know if they deliberately scheduled this way, but for a team that – quote-unquote, came into the season without a point guard. They're facing a lot of teams that run and jump and press and and pick you up full court, and they're, and FDU is is no exception. I mean, whether it's at in Champaign or back at FDU or in Columbus in the regional against uh, against Purdue or on the moon, they will, they will full court press you on dead balls, off made baskets, and they just create a lot of havoc. And – you're going to have to deal with that. And, and the one thing that I that I really want to see from this team is, okay, great December so far. I think better than you might have expected considering all things. I mean, you, you could have gone perfect with a win at Tennessee, obviously. But, but look, like where's your focus? Are you already on a Big Ten play? Or can you, can you stay disciplined and stay in the moment and tackle this, this last challenge of uh, of your non-conference slate because you know you come out of here you take care of business against FDU you're what ten and two mm-hmm. right heading into heading into Big Ten play you already got you're already one and zero and in conference and you, know, you, you see what happens but I I think there's just more trust in this team game by game to uh, to be consistent and honestly a lot of that has to do with Taryn Shannon yeah because I just I keep going back to that Penn State game at home last year and it just looked like Taryn Shannon kind of wanted other guys to do things and sit back and he had four points. He wasn't particularly great defensively and you get your butt kicked. And so that's, it's, it's a lot of responsibility on a player game after game to take that on. But you know, too much is given much is expected. Right. And I think he's, I think he's, um, I think he's been good with that, but now comes the, comes the final non-conference slate. And now the marathon of big 10 play. Mike personally, first game right on play by play here for the TV side. Uh, BTN, yeah, I, I two games. I was able to do two games on ESPN Plus for the TBT um, this this past summer. So not completely new, but it'll be nice compared to the TBT 
where it's just ran like literally random guys. There's yeah, no yeah. history for the team. You don't really know what the coach typically does. Now you have a little bit of luckily I, I we cover this team a fair amount. <laughs> That's so right. I feel like there are some talking points, but I've I I've definitely taken a dive into FDU. I went back and watched that FDU Purdue game, which was just awesome. I mean, you talk about no fear. I mean, they came in and just smacked those guys in the mouth. Didn't care who they were, who Zach Eady was. Um, really cool to see. But, you know, this FDU team has – there's still three starters that are back from that team. So it's not like, hey, coach left and all the players left. Their backcourt's gone, but but they still have some some carryover from that team. I'm, I'm excited to – Excited to uh, to wet the beak a little bit here on the BTN side. Yeah, I'm excited to see it, man. Uh, what did uh, what what is prep like? Take people behind the scenes. What's prep like when you're an, an analyst for for a Big Ten game like this? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is you start to learn that everyone kind of has their own style. Yeah. For prep, I mean, there's certainly people that I reach out to about that. People that have been in the industry for a long time, and um, you know, so it's it's watching FDU games. It's you know, not just kind of resting on what you feel like you've learned about Illinois. You're trying to really take a 30,000 foot view and ask questions to yourself about, Hey, this particular matchup and you know, how does Illinois combat this and what to talk about? You, you definitely don't want to like over inundate yourself with information because there's still an element of it where you have to go out there and just talk and, and be free and talk the game. So, but it's all learning experience, man. I mean, it's, this will be my third game, first BTN game. Are there going to be some bumps in the road? 100%. I mean, it is – It is even from those TBT games, there was no one in that gym. Right. Now you're in uh, what is supposed to be a sold-out arena and letting the crowd noise come in, not over-talking over things, letting the game breathe a little bit. It's all – you know, it's all a balance and um, learning about yourself as a, as a broadcaster, but – um, there's challenge in that, but that's that's what uh, that's what makes it fun. Yeah, getting these reps in is gonna be awesome. Uh, all right, Mike, we have a big sample size here for the Big Ten during this non-conference. How does Illinois stack up in this conference? I mean, I think I think right now they're. I think maybe you put Purdue like a tick above them, but if you want to put tiers, I think them and Purdue are kind of in their own tier at the moment. Um, and what's really funny is I think Taron Shannon is the best player in any conference other than the Big Ten. I think he still right. could have a chance. I mean, if Illinois wins the conference, I think Terrence Shannon would probably be the, the conference player of the year. Um, but, but yeah, there's just that having arguably the two best players in college basketball right now uh, in the conference, I think, says a lot. But Illinois and Purdue, to me, are, are in that top tier. And then that kind of second tier, Wisconsin, I think, has been better than – than people have expected. Now they got dog walked against Arizona. Arizona's a top five team for a reason, but they're they're top fifteen in offensive efficiency. But even defensively, I think they're top thirty or, or top forty. Uh, they've just been they've added some some guys in the portal. Those guys Wall and Crawl and Klesman and and those guys have been around. You want to talk about not being stubborn? I mean, guard has basically shelved Connor Asesian in, in some of these games, which is really surprising you don't talk about being worried about someone walking i mean there's there's a kind of case in point right there aj store has just been that good at that at that two spot so uh, and then you know i I, ohio state's been good out of the gates i think bruce thornton's been a first team all 
league type of guy. I think they've been able to shoot the ball extremely well. That's that's dipped a little bit in these past few games. And then Michigan State, I talked about overrated for sure coming into the season, probably a bit underrated yep. right now. I, I still think that they can they have enough talent and they they have enough guys that have been around the block to to finish in the top five in this conference or or, or maybe make a run at it if they can kind of gather that identity a little bit. So and then and then good luck with the rest of the Big Ten. I, I you know, whether it's Indiana or Maryland or um, you know, Michigan, there's just a lot of teams that you know, they 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 not only struggle in certain areas, they're like really poor in, in yeah. certain areas. And those type of things get exploited in Big Ten play. Yeah, and the first three for Illinois are like three teams that I feel are definitely probably going to make the tournament when you get Northwestern, Purdue, Michigan State. I know Michigan State's got work to do, but that's going to be a great test for Illinois. Like, and, and it's going to be a great opportunity with Illinois playing its best ball. They're healthy right now, Mike, um, to potentially get a little wiggle room there in the Big Ten. Like, you look at this first stretch in January, Northwestern at home, at Purdue, home against Michigan State, home against Maryland. Like, that that's a big opportunity to start this Big Ten playoff well and, and get some early separation potentially with some teams that you feel you're compete with. Yeah, Purdue's already got a loss. Yeah, and I still think 15 plus. You're gonna. I think you're gonna have to win 15 plus to yeah. win the to win the conference. I think even though Purdue has lost one already, um, I just think that they're gonna get to that 15 ish. Yeah, there's just not right. I mean, that's just the guardrail you have with Zach Eady. That's just, it was the same thing with Kofi. So yeah, there's just not many teams in the Big Ten that I think can compete with them. Like, I, I just don't think the conference outside of Illinois Purdue, as you said, like there's just not a lot of teams I see having a great chance to beat them on a given night. No, no, and then two. I mean, think about it. You you take care of business against FDU, and then you have a good run of it here to start. You know, to start uh, January, you're gonna be you're gonna be climbing up. The ranks there now. I, I'm not saying I don't want to just be laissez-faire about going into Mackey because that's just <laughs> shoot. I mean, I can you imagine what the national media narrative is going to be if they take care of these next three: FDU, Northwestern, and then get a win at Purdue. It's going to be. I mean, you're already seeing Final Four picks from from the field of 68. I, I know there were some different parameters around that, but yeah, I mean, I think just you know, you look at it. There's a lot to like about this Illinois team and for, for good reason. Yeah. All right, Mike, uh, appreciate it. As always, we will catch up next week and start to preview big 10 play in depth. Uh, appreciate the insight as always, man. Appreciate it, man. Great stuff as always from Michael Tulip later this week, we're going to talk big 10 in general with Isaac Trotter. We'll get his thoughts on the Illini so far and look at the rest of the landscape in the Big Ten and, and maybe stack up Illinois nationally because no one watches more college basketball that I know than Isaac Trotter, 24-7 sports, national college basketball writer, and of course, Illini Inquirer alum. We're proud of what he is doing at 24-7 Sports National, but we're going to bring him on and later this week and, and break it all down from a national and Big Ten perspective. Of course, it's a slower week a little bit because of the holidays, but we've had plenty of content at Illini Inquirer, a lot of football uh, content coming out. I've written stories on Luke Altmaier and what's next for him, in-state, JUCO recruiting, 
Joey Wagner just had a piece up today about the Illini DBs. Rough year. How do they bounce back? And I got a piece coming up uh, with Aaron Henry talking about potential changes he has to make to his defensive scheme, to his defensive approach, and what Illinois needs to do better entering year two of him as a defensive play caller because it needs to be better, and he knows that. And uh, I thought it was an interesting conversation. So we'll have that up at Illini Enquirer here in the coming days. we got basketball recruiting happening and, of course, a top 15 basketball team uh, to potentially talk about here and Illinois heading into Big Ten play with plenty of momentum. So it's going to be an exciting Big Ten basketball season. We'll cover it all at Alana Enquirer. Still have a chance to get 60% off a VIP membership. If you're not a VIP member already, that's more than $70 of savings. If you think about it, it's less than $4 a month of the most in-depth intense Illini coverage. We appreciate all you listening on the podcast. We appreciate everybody who watches on YouTube channel, but the way you can support us most is with that VIP membership and uh, just recorded VIP film room with Michael Tua. That alone, him and uh, Jay Lehman, that alone is worth the VIP membership. So check it out if you haven't already. That sale goes through uh, New Year's Day, basically. So you can check that out at Illini Inquirer. Thank you so much for listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. Give us a rating, review, follow wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on that YouTube channel as well. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Bye, everybody. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.